Hi, I'm Jim Antonopoulos. This is Fearless Conversations. That's great. Cool. That's great. Um, Hello. Hello, Jim. (laughs) It has been a while. Mate, it's been a while and I've been kind of getting some podcasting withdrawals because um, there's been so much going on in your world and my world that we haven't had a chance to get together and have a chat. I reckon it's um, the year's in full swing and there's just so, there are so many balls in the air it's not funny but um you know we're doing a couple of jobs together and, we are um you're busy um we've got a few things we're we're getting we're getting a puppy <laughs> how good is having a puppy in your house <laughs> yeah it is amazing can I, can I give you a predictor tell me so your puppy's going to start off with lots of rules and disciplines and eventually your puppy's going to um just going to slowly, you know, break down the walls, and it's probably going to be sleeping in your bed at some stage. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Hey, I, I, same thing happened to me, and I said, "No way!" And then eventually, man, the puppy's on the couch, and my wife and I are sitting on the carpet watching TV. <laughs> Ridiculous! No, I'm already on the outer with three kids. I'm, the, you, know, you know, I'm at the bottom end of the ladder, so um, I think I'll be probably sleeping outside and yeah. the puppy inside. So, um, no, things are good. Um, the years we're kind of, um, it's been great. We're rampant, um, lots of things on, and I enjoy that. It keeps me interested because, you know, we're talking about purpose today, and I'm very connected to the purpose of why I do what I do, and you are too. Um, so. When it gets busy, it's you know it's a good thing. You know we're we're nourished, and as long as we can keep and abide by the kind of rules and principles that we've set for ourselves, um, we're not actually um, you know working late nights and all of mm. that. Um, things are okay. Mm. Yeah, it's it's probably you've reminded me of some good themes that we could also discuss today around some of those rituals that we're going to keep in check when we're living purpose, we're trying to create impact and do stuff. How do we keep nourishing ourselves and making sure that we get looked after through Mm. some of this stuff? Oh, mate, it's minute to minute, you know, that sort of thing. And we might as well start off there. Um, You know, you and I work with a lot of purpose-driven leaders and we talk this stuff every day in our work. Um, Yeah, we see a lot of leaders come to us that with sort of big questions and they forget that they're not really looking after themselves, um, their own minds, their own day-to-day, their own habits, good or bad, um, the frenetic pace that they're working at. Um, and that's where it, it starts, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does start there. And I think we've got, we can probably share a lot of stories around when we have got it wrong in terms of that balance that, you know, frying your brain a bit, mm. running workshops and strategy sessions and not giving back enough because you've got to just get on to the next engagement piece mm. and then you've got to come home and give enough time and energy and presence to your family and be yeah, there for so them. True. So um, yeah, not always easy, but yeah, it'd be good to sort of unpack some of that stuff. Tell me, tell me when you've got it wrong. I get it wrong consistently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, this when you're running uh, mentoring programs, initiatives or, you know, coaching, whatever you want to call it, it sometimes does take a lot of presence and energy you're holding a space around where things come up for people you know you might be uh you know running uh, doing some work on sales resilience or sales leadership and uh, people want to purge and vent around their problems and what's bugging them because that's where the real work starts in transformational change but in order to do that jim sometimes 
you're not always in the ideal headspace if you've got a lot of lot going on in your world. So I think that the good reminder at the moment is how do we nurture and nourish ourselves so there's enough downtime on the under, other end of a big piece of work or a big uh, engagement piece and what happens when we don't listen to our bodies. Mm. And I've done that. Um, I'm getting a little bit better at it, but uh, essentially when I'm aware of the impact of a large piece of work and the, um, I'm aware of just how much energy it's taking from me, I've got to also give myself enough time to replenish. So we can go pretty hard for a few days or a week, but the weekend has to be downtime, the Sunday has to be downtime, or the next morning I've got to give myself you know, a nice breakfast at my favourite cafe just to give myself a bit yeah. of rhythm to get into the day. Yeah, absolutely. I can't keep going hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's really difficult. We all we're all part of that rat race at some point, and I hear you. Yeah, I think one of my one of my key frustrations, and I expressed it the other day, is um, to my wife, and you know, we uh, when I go from one thing to the next, and I'm unable to unwind from the previous thing, I absolutely hate that. And uh, my wife and I were chatting about that the other day and we were talking about owning owning our time a little bit more and structuring our day. And I'm really, I'm, traditionally, I'm really good at that. You know, my calendar's really well organised. It's time blocked and um, I know when I'm available and when I'm not and I allow for movement in between things and engagements and travel time and all of that sort of thing. You know, but we all live in the real world and sometimes it unravels and... Um, the fact that um, being mindful and present is really important to me. Sometimes that sometimes that doesn't work, and I find myself scrambling from moving from one thing to the next without taking a breath. And that's on me, man. Like that's I don't blame the world for that. I don't blame external circumstances. I think we've got to take that onto ourselves and say, look, you know, it's our time, and we've lost control of it. And, uh, mm, you know, uh, probably the the good thing that you know you, you do well which is if I'm feeling in a tense state and I'm, I'm jumping from client to client and I don't have enough time to give myself some rhythms and some rituals to to get my energy down um, it's really important for, for, for you and me and for, for me to remind myself um, the fact that if I'm tense, I'm feeling tense, I'm not necessarily going to be able to shift through that at that point in time. I've just mm. got to accept that that's where I'm at mm. and I might have to pick it up on the other end. But at that present point in time, um, it's actually okay to feel stressed. It's okay mm. to feel not okay about going into another engagement and saying, well, I've just got to get through this so maybe I can just back it off a little bit for this yep. point in time. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so that sort of, that just being really honest and straight with where you're at is probably the first thing. Oh, I completely agree. And that's, uh, you know, that's a good place to start with purpose, transformation programs and the like within organisations. But, you know, just taking a step back a bit, you know, I've certainly seen that go wrong where, you know, I've worked with, as I mentioned, a lot of purpose-driven leaders who want to create purposeful organisations and embedded into culture, into strategy, uh, build brands that are purposeful and meaningful. But, and there's a big but and a pause. Tell me about that but. <laughs> yeah. Explain it, that. But they, they, they leap away from who they are and what their work is into solution mode. And they forget that whether they are a board, whether they are a CEO, a founder, um, they forget that 
the purposeful organization, the high-performing team that's connected to the purpose, the meaningful culture that's developed from that and the really meaningful things that it, that organization puts out into the world is all intrinsically connected to the, that leadership that leadership team now if that leadership team is scrambled and mindless not mindful uh, and not connected to its own personal purpose when they turn up to work every single day it all unravels yeah, and and where have you seen that play out without sort of giving too many details? Oh, you see it. Yeah, you just turn the television on and read some trade press, and you see a lot of let's call it purpose washing. You just turn LinkedIn on, <laughs> just scroll scroll through the the feed, and you'll see it. You'll see a lot of um, kind of big statements, sort of big broad brushstrokes, and and then scratch the surface. You know. Ask organisations whether their purpose is baked into their product. Ask them whether the leader's purposeful uh, and meaningful endeavour is uh, realised day to day by um, customer-facing employees. You know, it's 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 everywhere. So, Jim, um, you've you've highlighted something that's probably intrinsic in these purpose as part of a high-performing purpose culture or purpose transformation project, which mm. is. It actually starts internally. It starts mm. right inside. It doesn't actually start in a strategy or a, or a, or a mission statement. Mm. It starts with how people turn up on a daily basis. Absolutely. And are they turning up um, and feeling safe? You know, if we go back to that really great conversation we had about a year ago now with our friend Reg, uh, which is available on this podcast, you know, he talked about safety and he talked about how important um, creating um, a safe environment and a, a, a safe space for teams to um, to not feel fear of ridicule uh, and being torn down uh, to feel to create safe space for new thought, new ideas. You know, I really believe that. I really believe that that's at the heart of high performance, but also that's at the heart of having a group of people or hundreds of people connected to a single-minded north star yeah it's um you know the, the, the thing that i often come back to is when i'm in an environment do i get a sense that that environment's safe enough for me to be who i am mm. okay do i get to just be myself do i have to or do i have to guard up a little bit yeah mm. do i get to bring my personality my quirks whatever it is about me into that narrative now you can still be yourself and still still have a, a high level of awareness. You don't have to be an idiot. You know what I mean. You can still be conscious of your behaviours and actions. But mm. ultimately, do I actually feel safe within that environment that I can actually just speak my mind, find my voice, mm. and be able to connect with people the way I normally would yeah. um, in in most environments? Now we we understand context, we understand professionalism, we understand there's a difference between social and professional um, environments. But ultimately, at my core, do I get to be who I am? That's so true. And I'll, I'll, the other day I facilitated a session with an, an executive leadership team, so high-performing team, um, international organisation. Um, we started with a meditation. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. How was that? It was amazing. And it was facilitated really well. Um, the person's name doesn't matter, but she's remarkable. And... It was facilitated so well. We just uh, this team came together. It was a Monday morning. It's 9 a.m. Everybody, there was about 20 odd people 
all executive leaders. Um, you know, they all came, walked into the room after a weekend and weekends are complex, they're real, they're raw. And one of the questions in this meditation as we had our eyes closed um, was, who am I in this setting? Yeah, right. She asked us to think about as we, inside, we the room was silent, we mm-hmm. had our eyes closed. She said, I want you to think about who you are in this setting. And I really like that. A, a what sm- ca- and what came, sorry, what came up for you? Oh, I smiled because I often ask myself that question before I walk into uh, a room full of people or if I walk, um, if I'm doing a presentation at a conference or something, uh, I ask myself, who am I? Yep. Who am I in this moment? And that's an important question to be able to answer, to be able to answer honestly and authentically. Um, it was a wonderful way to start a meeting. It was a powerful way to start a meeting. Everyone had dropped their guard. Everyone was able to talk openly and safely without fear of ridicule. Um, and we opened up for the next couple of hours and talked purpose and talked lots of other things, spoke about lots of other things. But it was a really wonderful way to create a safe space as we were just talking about. So did you um, get a sense that the energy shifted in that room? Completely. Yeah. The needle moved completely. Yes. Completely. Monday mornings. Monday mornings are shit. Monday mornings are right. probably the hardest time <laughs> yeah. to get someone. Right. And so you, you've obviously you had a – sounds like you had a pretty good facilitator that was asking the right questions. Yeah, it was fantastic. And um, it was just fantastic. Monday mornings are horrible, especially when you've got 20 people because what, what's happening there is that's 20 Monday mornings. Wow. In one so there's moment. there's a multiple on that. All right. There's 20 people in the room. That's 20 <laughs> different Monday mornings, 20 different weekends that just happened. Yes. Right. So that's a complex environment to walk into. But what's the power of asking the right question? That can, yeah, the right question can just slash through all of that fear, scarcity. Absolutely. And response. Yeah. And we're, we're all here for the same reason. We're all here to work through this time together and, and get an outcome. So you have to be a complete dickhead to really dishonour that, really. And you yeah. probably don't deserve a seat around that table right. um, or any table for that yes. fact. So um, I think people being able to drop their guard can accept that. Yes. You know. Yeah, right. And so uh, there's something around we all want the same thing. Surely we, we all want to feel connected with each other. Well, we want to without feel engaged. A doubt. We don't want with, to feel solo or lonely. Without a doubt. Um, and in in true purpose-driven organisations, teams feel connected to one another, and we'll talk about purpose-driven leaders in a moment. They connect, they feel connected to that purpose-driven leader, driving that organisation. Who um, understands when they get it wrong? Who understands that it starts and ends with them? And understands that if they're not connected to their own personal purpose as a founder, as a leader, as a CEO. That it unravels. Yeah, you, look, it's it's a fascinating um, dialogue, and for people that have experienced that level of connection, whether it's in a team sporting environment, a group of friends that are, are really having a magnificent space, um, the context probably doesn't matter so much, but the energy and the feeling of being connected to other people um, is isn't that what we're all looking for? Yeah. Whether it's high performance, uh, purpose, culture, impact, mm. and it's really fascinating that the almost the the dichotomy or the disconnect that we see within organisational leaders that 
say one thing but you know behave in a completely different space that disconnect yeah. that they're feeling and the only reason they're behaving like that and i'm not judging them because i'm sure i've done that in the past or do that from time to time is that they're not connected to their own purpose so when they're not connected to their own purpose then that's going to play out in a setting so yeah. if they if they're disconnected from their home environment or they're disconnected at work or they've got family issues then often that we see those disconnects play out at work and within other environments when they're, they're too probably scared to be themselves when they feel they have to be guarded when they feel they have to hold on to all of this tension because of operational or sales or or um you know things to do with EBITDA, profit margins and all the things that get in their way mm. and when that plays out into an organizational environment i mean i'm pretty compassionate because you know it's pretty tough being a leader within of an organization but uh, at the same time um what does that actually take for them to drop their guard and show show the people around them who they are because that's where true innovation design and, and purpose well, comes from without a doubt completely without a doubt and i think there's an art to making it real because sometimes this stuff exists in the ether in the clouds and it can be seen as uh, very fluffy and uh, you know a lot of bullshit don't you think it's probably it's you know this thing called purpose unless you've got someone taking you through this process in a really wise way um it will get lost in the ether it'll become like insta purpose or spiritual or <laughs> ego purpose whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah. it sounds great but um you know how do i how do i bring this to life in a meaningful way which is consistent and it means i can still you know turn up each day to work and and, and mm. live my live my purpose how do yeah. i how do i create mechanisms around that so it doesn't feel like it's getting lost in space yeah agreed and Principles, rituals, and the right conditions. Yeah. What, what do you? What, what? Yeah. So tell me more about that, Jim. Like, how do you? You know, tell me more about how to, how to, how to make this stuff kind of street. You know, how do you make it pragmatic without, without it getting lost? Real. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of. I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes of the podcast. I'm a big fan of the um, the story of the All Blacks and how they reconnected to the legacy of that organisation. So the All Blacks had hit rock bottom. They were. Um, completely disconnected from any sort of sense of common purpose um, and now have shifted the needle needle so far that they rank as one of the world's most, if not the world's most successful sporting team um, globally across all domains, sporting domains. So, so what were the, sort of so, all the key kind of Yeah, key insight there? to begin there, key principle was that better people make better all blacks. Yeah. Really simple. Better people make better all blacks right and they began from there right they created a set of principles and it's well documented um they created a set of principles that rooted them back to their legacy um and made that purpose real so a lot of leaders talk about purpose statements um a lot of people talk about purpose statements and it ends there with a full stop at the end of that statement so people are left thinking great that's a great set of words that we all agree on now what so the story of the All Blacks goes that they um, they set they set a, a, a group of principles, um, policies, if you may. And anyone knows that um, in any good strategy or transformational change, that uh, principles and policies kind of keep us from derailing. Okay. You know, yes. they keep us from falling off 
the sides of that freeway as we're hooning down towards yes. our North Star. Right? right. Principles and policies keep us in check. Um, they set some basic human principles. One of them was um, sweep the sheds. That's yeah. That's a, that's a which is great famously documented. Mantra. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is it? What is what does sweep the sheds kind of mean? What is what are they? How are they living those principles? Yep. We, what is what is that telling us? Yeah. So all of the principles, sweep the sheds included, uh, was connect were connected to the purpose of the, the idea. Uh, call it whatever, but this idea of better people making better All Blacks. Right. All of them had the thread of humility. Okay. And courage and legacy within them. Sweeping the sheds meant that at the end of any game, win or lose, in any stadium, that the staff would leave. After the fans had left, the players would stay and they would clean up mm. the dressing rooms. So this is what we leave behind. This yeah. is our this is our imprint. That's that's what makes right. an all black. Um, for me, that's really powerful. Other principles included the no dickheads. Right. Which I think they stole from the Sydney Swans or vice okay. versa. And then the Bulldogs stole from right. them. <laughs> no dickheads was yes. a simple principle around team selection where if you behaved as a dickhead during the week, the team would select its own um, playing group. Wow. Um, and being a dickhead meant that you weren't playing irrespective of how well you trained, how well you played the week before. Right. There was also an interesting um, leadership uh, principle in letting go where the game would happen on a Saturday. Hypothetically. Yep. Let's imagine the beginning of the game would happen on a Saturday. Um, and let's say the next game was next Saturday. Leadership would handle the debrief of that game on the Sunday. Everyone would regroup around the principles on the Sunday. They put a plan in place for the wow. week. And by Monday or Tuesday, leadership would let completely let go all the way through to the end of the game next week, which meant that the players had complete autonomy, they had the safe space to wow. lead, they had the principles to guide them, they had the North Star to work towards on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They would organise themselves and then leadership would then take over on Sunday, debrief and repeat the process. Really simple. We're talking about making purpose real. Really simple principles, basic principles, not wordsmithed. Um, and very simple rituals that had humility, legacy, courage and leadership at the heart of them. And they were real. They weren't just fluffy stuff. It wasn't just fluffy stuff. Um, and it saw a complete turnaround in that organisation. And I, I love that story of the All Blacks. And it's well documented. It's a Google away. So if we had to kind of summarise, I mean, at a very high level, if it's not practical, real and livable, if I can't walk out of this conversation right now and bring it to life, then I'm just kind of, um, I'm just, you know, messing about, aren't I? Absolutely. You know, key tenets of good strategy is that I get it, right? <laughs> if you tell me your strategy, I need to understand it. Otherwise, how can I take part in it? But if I lose you in the hyperbola, the jargon, the platitudes, all the bullshit that sits out in the ether, yeah. then yeah. you're going to like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah, tell me how many um, PowerPoint presentations you've seen where you've got the CEO up yes. on the stage telling you the strategy and you're thinking, all right, 
what do I need to do here? Mate, as soon as I see, as soon as I see a deck go up this way, I actually fall asleep. Yeah. I'm going to have to do right. something out of the box to okay. because it's your time and it's precious. So, yeah. so tell me something about who you are and how you want to play in the world that's beyond anything you want to put on a, on a slide deck. Exactly, exactly. So key principles, clarity in, in communicating them, simple rituals, um, communicated, allow people to feel empowered and they, they, they know what to do. They know they know where the, the playing field is. Sounds like, sounds like um, uh, the reason a lot of these purpose driven initiatives fail is is what we've experienced and what the All Blacks teach us is that they haven't done the internal work, the reflection, and the real team storytelling um, in order to get to that place. You can't just do a purpose statement by reading a book or reading Agreed. Simon Sinek's latest. You know, podcast. This actually goes a little bit deeper than that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, even I like I like Simon. <laughs> oh, he, look, he's, he's unbelievable. Don't yeah, get me wrong. He's, he's 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 the absolute master of this yeah. stuff. But mm. it's it does take a lot of internal reflection and a lot of you know um, you know a lot of personal you know questions that you've got to ask yourself before you just because you subscribe to a, a team ethos, it kind of starts with you. Like, what am I doing? And what am I doing that's getting in the way? What what stories am I playing out Agreed. that no longer serve me? Yeah. How do you see it playing out? I'm sure you come across a lot of people in the social impact space. You see a lot of organisations. Um, uh, you, you work with a few B Corps. You, um, you've you mentored a few um, entrepreneurs in the social – so well, you've mentored a few social enterprises as well. Yeah. Um, you're running programs with them. Yeah. How do you see it play out? Do you see some tensions at play? Do, yeah, do it's, it's – you know, I've always got a lot of compassion for people that play in this space because it's an incredibly difficult place to play in in terms of, you know, commercialising a business venture um, that is purpose-driven. It's not easy and it takes a lot of – grit a lot of funding a lot of effort and focus and determination and you know people always walk into these arenas with I, I, I truly believe their heart in the right space and that's certainly one thing that um, I, I see uh, quite often but um, often the the really challenging part is to get leaders to live and breathe and um, you know be their purpose on a daily or moment by moment basis, and that's really the next le- level of iteration. Is like mm-hmm. how do you get them to to really do a lot of the internal work um, so that rather than talking about purpose, they are being purpose. Rather than talking about safe spaces, they are being that level of authenticity. And don't get me wrong, it's it's pretty tough when you've got all these business um, challenges that you're having to deal with. A large, you know, uh, you know, a large employment base. Um, you're having to push into a new market, and Australia can be really conservative and really difficult to get on board some of these initiatives. Um, so there are a lot of tension points within this space. But I think um, for me, it's always coming back to: Have I done my own internal work when I want to embark on this journey? So whatever's playing out internally will play out in my team, mm. my environment, my marketplace and my business. So if I'm conflicted or disconnected internally, then it's going to be hard for me to live a purpose culture. And, and we've all got stuff going on, Jim. You know, I've got my stuff, you've got yours, we're all human. Mm. We all make mistakes. Um, but if we're asking the right questions around um, how am I living my own purpose? How do I engage with everyone uh, during the day, whether they're the um, you know, the barista, the, the homeless person on the street or the mm. CEO. Mm. Right? How do I behave in my world and how do I live that out? And and how I'm behaving is, I think we've mentioned this a few times, is, is who am I being? 
I agree. And if, yeah. um, and that's not always easy, mate, because sometimes you're in your head, you're disconnected, yeah. you're stressed, you, 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 you're not aware of or not fully conscious of, of who you're being on a daily basis. But at least if you're asking those questions, that's where purpose culture begins. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what, what, what have been your experiences? Um, you know, I've, yeah, it's interesting. I've been, been a B Corp for a couple of years, no, been five years now. Five years, yeah. Yeah, wow. Six, five or six years now. Um, I see a lot of passion for purpose. I see a lot of people wanting to work for well-meaning, good-doing <laughs> organisations. Um, I see a lot of leaders uh, wanting to bake in a purposeful culture. So I see a lot of passion for it. But I, I've learned that that's not enough. Uh, having the pa- passion and aspiration for it is, isn't enough. The rubber has to hit the road. The rubber has to hit the road at some point. So I think it takes real skill to make purpose real. Um, you see organisations like um, Patagonia. Yeah. I think it's a kind of, you know, kind of bit of a cliche example, but you see them, you walk into a store, you pick up one of their $5 million puffer jackets and their purpose is real, right? Uh, they're making a profit, tick. It's sustainably produced, tick. Um, it works and it's functional, tick, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think a lot of, of organisations struggle to go from passion for purpose to actually just making it real day to day at a granular level. I've met a lot of organisational leaders who actually think that's boring. They want to stay yeah, right. in the passion space. Yes. They want to stay in that sort of visionary space, which is fun. It's, it's, it's ideal. The other juxtaposition that um, you've just alerted me to is the importance of self-awareness. Yep. It's so important. It's almost the starting point. Yes. And that should uh, be, if we're talking concentric circles, it should be right in the middle. But. I also see the importance of organisational awareness and the ability to reflect, check in with rituals and rhythms at an organisational level, at scale. So essentially do what we're just talking about as individuals yes. at scale as an organisation because that's when all the, all those things come together really well because we have to enable our teams, enable ourselves even as individuals to say, hold on, is this the right purpose? Is this working? Is this real? Does it does it mean does it still mean something to me? Or have yeah. we, or have we pivoted? Have we changed? And that's you, okay. You know, um, you've you've reminded uh, me of that honest inquiry. So if I'm really honest about what's going on, what's working, what's not working, are we commercialising um, this purpose strategy, are we bringing these things to life in a really pragmatic, practical way and if we're not, why aren't we and are we prepared to ask all of those questions um, that it's going to take to bring these things to life because living a purpose culture is, is quite challenging sometimes because mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's a lot easier to switch the um, switch the purpose brain off and just be brutal on sales culture and, and EBITDA and you yeah. know, repeatable recurring revenue and just say, you know, whatever, let's get the deal, who cares? Yeah, yeah. And or just sit in that kind of big, chubby, flabby middle where people just turn, you know, jump on the train, tram, go to work. The treadmill. 
the treadmill, the, the Monday rat, morning treadmill. Yeah, the rat race. You okay. know, <laughs> you know that's the big majority. Majority, right? You just turn up. You're just doing meaningless work, and you're burnt out. You're turning up back home at um, eight o'clock. The fake, the fake smile, but I'm really burning inside. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> you're ending up there in that middle, yeah. which is almost, you know, um, let's say, you people, you know, some people are oblivious to it, which I think is just as bad. Yeah, and that's actually probably that's actually incredibly sad too, isn't it? it that is. people feel that they have to do that for whatever reason. It is. Um, it is. It is. It is. Great conversation. Great chat, Jim, and great to reconnect on the podcast. It is. It is. It really is. Um, we've got a big year coming up you and I. Uh, we've got a lot already planned in the pipeline and uh, we're currently working frenetically, the two of us together on a few things, which has been really wonderful. So um, I'm looking forward to more episodes. I think we should um, take a little bit of our own preach, what well, we preach, and lock in a few things and get this stuff going. Yeah, you're right. And I think we just need to commit to a steady rhythm yeah. of, of these uh, yeah. episodes because this is really important for us. It's yeah. important for the for the impact that we want to create. Absolutely. And the other thing that we're doing, I think, for our listeners is uh, we're creating a series of companion pieces to some of the, some of the episodes. Um, we've started with Difficult Conversations, which is one of our most popular episodes. Um, so we'll be putting up those companion pieces up um, in the show notes, yes. but also on one another's websites in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll do values. We'll do a couple of other things as well. Um, but those companion pieces will flesh out some of the topics we'll talk about as well. So Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to sharing some of those um, tools in our kit. Mm. Uh, that people can have a go at and sort of bring it to life. And that's also how we create our impact. Yeah, and, and be, fun. Create, yeah. be fun. Um, so if you have any questions for us, uh, you can reach us at fearless at wearetank.com.au, either for myself or Damien. Um, Damo, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Yeah, really cool. Cheers. Cheers. Fearless is produced by Jim Antonopoulos and Damien Carolla. Your questions, your insights and your ideas will help us feed future episodes. Get in touch through all the usual channels.